0: She's sharp,
1: pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. At the present, I do not anticipate military personnel coming into direct contact with migrants.
0: The first wave of the migrant caravan arrived unexpectedly early at the U.S. border in Tijuana, where there's been a fortified wall for decades they've been looking through the barricade and some have been climbing it, teasing the border patrol on the other side.
2: If you're going to keep plowing everything up at 2016, count me in. If you want to look forward, I'll look forward. If you want to look back, we're going to all look back. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. So good to be back with you. I'm Really excited about this hour of the show. We are going to be speaking with Fred Jackson, who's a news director of onenewsnow.com. And we're going to be talking about uh, American Family News also. We're going to be talking about news of the day. That's up in the next segment. Right now, um, I want to get into this caravan story. And we've been covering it here on the show. We've not missed anything. um, And there are new developments, obviously. And I think, you know, so... I have a lot of sympathy for Donald Trump in that he made promises and he, he made those promises from the ground, the, the campaign trail as an American citizen and what he know, knew at the time about the border based on news reports and what little information he could get from people in the know. And And of course, we have a lot of people in the the not-for-profit sector um, who are either pro-immigration or pro uh, pro-border, pro-American sovereignty. So there's a lot of information out there. If you want to learn, if you wish to be informed from both sides of the issue, it's possible. And the president really did that that heavy lifting and, and did the homework. Now he's the president. Now he has people working against him. Now he has people actively fighting him on this issue. And the ones who are fighting him are very well organized, very well funded, and they seem to have a better grip on how to subvert the process than the president's cabinet members and staff have on how to just enforce the law. And I mean law enforcement. I've heard people say we have too much uh, we have too much talk about law and order and not enough you know common sense, not enough um, caring, not enough of an orderly fashion of the way we're treating people. And a lot of Democrats have latched onto to this idea that the separation of families is something that is unique to the presidency of Donald Trump when it's been going on since the Flores decision, which was decided in the mid-90s. And when you tell them that, they'll say, well, according to who? It's not according to anyone. The Flores decision is a searchable legal case that you can find out about that has been written about by people on the left and the right. It's been reported by major news organizations. It is a fact of, you know, the matter. It it exists. It happened. It's historical. And being upset that I know about it and you don't doesn't change what happened. So you might think, well, at least we have the media on this particular issue, on something like the caravan. They would be reporting what's happening from the ground, but they're not. There, it's, you can't say at least we have the media. We don't have the media. We don't have anybody at, on the left who's really accurately reporting what's happening here. And so to demonstrate this, you have ABC and NBC ignoring the first wave of caravan members arriving at our southern border, jumping the fence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Here it is number four.
0: Tonight,
3: the first 800 migrants from the Central American caravan are at America's doorstep in Tijuana, Mexico. They split off from a larger group of about 5,000 and are planning to request asylum here in the U.S. John Blackstone is at
0: the border. The first wave of the migrant caravan arrived unexpectedly early at the U.S. border in Tijuana, where there's been a fortified wall for decades. They've been looking through the barricade and some have been climbing it, teasing the border patrol on the other side. A few have even jumped, including today a woman carrying a baby. But any attempt to cross here ends with certain capture. Uh, I'd like you to think of border security just the same as your home. And when someone comes to your home, they're supposed to go to the front door and present themselves. As many as 4,000 migrants are expected to arrive in Tijuana as soon as tomorrow. But with shelters in Tijuana already overflowing, even this first wave is straining the resources in this city of two and a half million.
2: So we've got this... It's lawlessness. It's absolute lawlessness that these people were allowed to, under our direct supervision, we watched as they made their way from Honduras and El Salvador to our southern border, and now they're actually jumping the fence and we're doing nothing? Please don't pretend to me, you Democrats, that this is something you would permit to happen at your house. If you knew someone was planning on breaking into your home, you would not just sit there and watch them do it. Not without calling the authorities. Now I know Democrats are really into like letting other people take care of their self-defense and they don't believe in defending themselves and you know except the ones the, the few who own firearms. But would you just sit there and put up no no defense at all? You wouldn't you wouldn't have anything to say about them coming in? This is just this whole subject is enraging. And if you think That that's, like, your rage meter is up, is it? Well, here, I'm going to put a little fire under it and send it up even further. This is a piece that I found out on uh, discussing the real DHS incompetence that we're now seeing at the southern border at Tijuana Line. So there's a, you know, it's been a couple weeks since we found out the caravan was approaching our southern border, and that they know where they're going to try to access the country. They're going to Playa de Tijuana, where the land touches water, so it's exceptionally easy to pinpoint the vast 1,094-mile stretch of southern border that they're talking about accessing. The organizers of the caravan, Pueblo Sin Fronteras, have a known base of operations at a certain place on our southern border. They used it for the April operation, and now they're using it for this one. You can read all about it in the San Diego Union Tribune's report three days ago describing how Tijuana is bracing for the caravan and where outraged Tijuana locals are rather unhappy about the caravan setting up camp in their upscale neighborhood again. So again, look, because th- this is how crazy this whole story is. I didn't even know Tijuana had an had, had a upscale neighborhood in it. Uh, but it does. It has an upscale neighborhood there. And the caravanners have put on a show, climbing the border fence as agents watch, waving their arms, yelling victory. One jumped over and then jumped back over, having as fun as U.S. agents stood by and watched instead of apprehending him. The images of these people hanging out at the top of this fence, sitting on it, you know, they're all dressed in bright colors. It's like it's a show put on for our very entertainment. So they're basically throwing up their hands in the mission accomplished symbol. They're able to demonstrate that for all of our our concertina wire and everything else we put at the southern border, it really doesn't mean anything. It's a joke. The U.S. is powerless. And that's the purpose of this show. They're going to jump the border anytime they want to. And there's nothing we can do about it all of us that are enraged about this can go on being enraged and we can you know we can knit socks and uh you know scarves and sweaters we can uh punch pillows we can take kickboxing classes but we can't do anything to stop these people from basically overrunning our southern border now there's two big things that are standing out. Remember I reported right here on the show that there were all these miles and miles and miles worth of concertina wire that were going to be installed at the southern border? Where is it? Where is the concertina wire? It should be at the top of this border fence so that if you decide you're going to climb up it, when you get to the top, you're going to think twice because it looks like he's going to cut you. No, it's not there. The Department of Homeland Security has had days of intelligence that they planned to head to Playa de Tijuana. So that's where the 26 miles worth of, the, the first 26 miles should have been strung. Am I right? But they didn't string it. Now, there was a little bit of wire strung after these people got up on there and had their little show of force. But it was done by contractors, not by the military and not by DHS. It was done after the first accounts of the border spectacle reached the, uh, the, the, the news reports. So apparently it's just been strung up in Arizona uh, where General Madison Secretary Kirsten Nielsen made a show of visiting a, the troops a couple of days earlier. So she's been caught flat-footed again. Now, I- I'm going to tell you. It's time to get real here because I already called her out once and I thought maybe, you know, after that, not that I think she listens to the show, but clearly I'm not the only one calling her out on this. And I thought after getting a tongue lashing by many individuals in the media about that ridiculous Fox News appearance where she's sitting in a director's chair with Martha McCallum and they both have on their aviator sunglasses and they've got their hair blowing in the wind and they're talking about the border in hushed tones the same way that me and my girlfriends discuss our favorite coffee shop or where we're buying gifts for our kids from. This is serious business. I can put some aviators on and talk about Christmas gifts because I'm not the secretary of Homeland Security. I can go and put aviators on and let the wind blow through my hair and be lighthearted about this kind of stuff because that's not my responsibility. We need serious people in charge of this. And Kirsten Nielsen is not serious enough for this task. We need a man, to be quite honest with you. And I know there's somebody out there who is so triggered right now because I said we needed a man. But men think strategically and operationally and tactically. Men don't need aviator sunglasses to make a decision. And I'm not talking about any old pansified girly man who's not sure of his gender, some leftist. I'm talking about a hardcore military operator, someone with lots of experience in combat and military operations and crowd control. That's who we need in charge of the Department of Homeland Security, not Kirsten Nielsen. She has outlived her usefulness there. We don't need a Barbie or somebody pretty. We need someone who understands what is going on down there and plans to do something about it. So you've got Operation Faithful Patriot, which is a link that goes to what it calls B-roll, background news, a border security link. This is all on the Department of Homeland Security website, by the way, which features a big item on security at the U.S.-Canadian border. It doesn't sound like it's even a big deal. If you go to the Department of Homeland Security website, you are going to be disappointed by what you find there because it looks like This whole caravan thing is a non-issue. So there's a DHS screen grab of the belatedly strung razor wire, concertina wire, that's haphazardly tossed up at the top and a little bit at the bottom, and it doesn't even go all the way across. It stops at the water, as if people are afraid of water, as if people can't swim. So if you're a young man of military age, you just swam the border river at Mexico South, walked and hitched truck rides the 1,000 miles from Honduras, this little bit of fence with a little bit of concertina wire on one part of it is not going to be a problem for you. You you, You're determined. You're getting into America. So you can walk over to the beach side with your feet in an inch or two of beach water, jump over to the U.S. from that point because it's a no-brainer. You're going to land in soft sand. Your feet will be wet. um, And... It's the easiest part of your journey because you've already busted through a border fence, you've jumped down over bridges, and you swam in water between countries. You've you've already done all the heavy lifting. This is the last little part. This is easy to walk on the beach, literally. So the border visit with Defense Secretary Jim Mattis and Homeland Secretary uh, Kirsten Nielsen, they were visiting the troops, and you know, you just you just saw them down there visiting, which again. Why? Why is visiting the troops so important? They hadn't even been down there a long time. I mean, no offense, but what does a visit from General Madison, Secretary Nielsen do? do does the does, does the troop deployment need some kind of bolstering? Are they sad? Is there has there been something harsh going on down there? I mean, the weather is good. They're working in a non combat arena. The troops are there in a support function. There's no reason for the troops to their morale to be low or for them to require a visit of any kind. Again, photo ops. Hey, don't I look pretty? I'm at the border. I'm Secretary Nielsen. I'm down at the border and I'm kicking up my heels and looking cool in aviators. Check me out. Here's some B-roll on the website. I mean, this is just incompetence of the worst sort. And we shouldn't have to tolerate it. It is time for her to go. We need a real military minded individual to take over that post. Now's as good a time as any. Bye bye. No more Secretary Nielsen. No more support from over here. We'll be right back. Are you still stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums and strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable it's Medishare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. Medishare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster and say hello to Medishare.
1: Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. Metashare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 345.
3: This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Not so long ago, California was the golden state with a great future. Now, Thomas Del Bacario says that the state government has made the state unsustainable. He's the author of the book, The Divided Era, and has served as the chairman of the California Republican Party. Even if you don't live in California, you can learn from some of the reasons he believes the state is at risk. The first concern is California's infrastructure deficit. The state water project was designed decades ago for a population not greater than 25 million. Today, there are 40 million people within its borders, and the roads are considered some of the poorest in the nation. Government debt is a second concern. The published state and local government debt is $1.3 trillion, but many commentators believe the actual debt is closer to $2.3 trillion. Add to that an estimated one trillion dollars more in pension liability, and you can see that the state of California has major debt liability problems. A third issue is California's taxes and regulations. It could easily be argued that the state is certainly the most regulated state in this country. It also has the highest income tax rates along with one of the highest sales tax rates. This is one of the major reasons why so many people as well as businesses are leaving California. Residents fed up with high housing costs and taxes are fleeing the state. It has effectively hollowed out California's middle class. Finally, there is the issue of the California government itself. The state government spends more than $200 billion a year on a budget and even more off-budget in the form of programs paid with bonds. The long-term trend for California is higher income taxes, higher sales taxes, and more regulations. That's why California looks unsustainable. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of
1: View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
2: Welcome back to the program. I'm Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Ride here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. And it's my pleasure to welcome frequent guest and friend of the show. We have Fred Jackson, who's the news director at American Family News and OneNewsNow.com, coming at us live from Studio H. Fred, thanks for joining in today.
4: Hi, Stacey. Yeah, coming at you live. <laughs> I'm sitting in a studio in Mississippi with a jacket on. What's oh. wrong with this picture? It's
2: the fall. You're supposed to be enjoying the beautiful cut changing of the leaves and maybe like 50 to 60 degree weather and a breeze. You're supposed to be breathing <laughs> in the beautiful air. Oh, believe me, I've thought this through, Fred. <laughs> I am a little chagrined. I asked a girlfriend yesterday at book club. I said, will you please um, reach out to whoever's in charge of this weather and tell them I want fall? And she said, I've been praying about it. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> Our
4: fall lasted a week. I we, just
2: can't believe it.
4: Yeah, no, we're right into it here, but hey, you know, there's always somebody worse off. And oh, sure, yeah. No. All all your good friends and listeners up in Washington D.C. are experiencing a snowstorm today.
2: Well, I've got one here, too. We had five inches. Five? So, yeah. I mean, kids are home from school. They're so happy. They're just laid back. One of them's sick. She's been home all week. But our son, he slept in. He's gotten a chance to get a little bit of gaming in. <laughs> um, and and I, I know how it is. When, you, when you're in high school, you've got so much work to do. So the snow day is always welcome. But for me, I'm just missing, you know, you get to go outside and walk. You uh-huh. look at the leaves. You breathe in that air. It's like it gives you just it's, it's like a break because it's not super hot like the summer, and you know the cold is coming, but by the time it comes, you're ready for it. It's here months early. Like, this is way early for the snow.
4: Yeah, I got to do something about that global warming.
2: Where's the global warming I ordered? I'm an American. I'm a, I'm a fossil fuel user. Where's my global warming?
4: <laughs> uh, well, listen, I got a, a few stories, a few updates for you this afternoon. Oh, excellent. Down there in Florida. If you go to onenewsnow.com, we have the story up there. Florida hits deadline for recount results. Florida counties have reached the deadline for submitting the results of their election recounts. And uh, an Obama-appointed judge today, Stacey... Uh, <laughs> rejected a, cro- a request to give counties more time beyond the 3 o'clock deadline this afternoon, 2 o'clock Central Time. Uh, I was a little bit surprised by that. But now the election will be certified next Tuesday. So we'll see how what's going to happen there. But, you know, somebody was saying this, sworn states, this is interesting. When Republicans lose an election, they, for the most part, accept the results. When yeah. Democrats lose, it's time to go to court and try to get the results overturned. And that's what we're seeing in spades, both in Florida and also in Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, even though the uh, secretary of state there in Georgia, Republican Brian Kemp, mm-hmm. it's got almost 55,000 votes over Stacey Abrams. She's still looking, going to the courts, looking for legal challenges, all of that sort of thing. And uh, But the state laws, that's the deadline of November 20 for the official certification of results there. But did you know what's happening in Georgia? Apparently now, uh, Stacey Abrams, through a federal judge, has ruled that the Secretary of State must not certify results without confirming each county's tally, including absentee ballots previously rejected because of missing or incorrect dates of birth.
2: Those those should not be counted. No. Fred, I'm, I'm one of those people who, you know, so we all know that you tend to make stereotypes based on the behavior of some people right Mm -hmm. this is this is a human it's it's a fallible thing that we do but it's also it's it's rooted in the truth that some you know stereotypes have a a kernel of truth that they kind of grow up around Mm -hmm. and what i see happening here is you know she she looked ready to concede she looked like you know okay i've lost it was close but i lost and i i've I've run for political office before and lost Mm -hmm. and by a very thin margin but I knew that people were watching my behavior, even in a, you know, tiny municipality for a school board race. Mm-hmm. People wanted to see how I would behave. And Fred, I tell you what, the, the the cards that I received, that handwritten notes from people I'd never met before who thanked me for being in the district and begged me not to go away or stop serving mm-hmm. and that the, the, the loss didn't mean that I wasn't good enough or that people didn't want me. It was just, you know, really strong candidates running and et cetera, et cetera. And I remember reading them and crying over them. This is a little school board election. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm telling you this because I can I can commiserate with the desire to win. And I see Stacey Abrams as someone who she really, she's she's got horrible ideas. Her policies will not work. She will harm Georgians if she's in charge. She wants to confiscate guns. I can't find anything that I like about her policies. But I do know what it's like to be convinced that you can do a good job and want to be in a place to be elected to something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, t- I'm saying all of that to kind of lead up to the fact that there are millions of Georgians who are watching her behavior, and she's setting a very, very poor example for them by refusing to accept the results of the election. And, and I'm not saying that it's wrong to say, oh, wow, we're within 1%. That triggers a recount, so let's you know, let's do the recount. I'm not saying you don't, you, you don't have rights or you can't follow through on the rules. But, Fred, this looks horrible. The, <laughs> the idea that the reason she's losing is because she's black, that's been trumpeted everywhere. Mm. Lots of talking heads are saying that. And what they're doing is they're invalidating the valid and proper reasons why millions of people chose to either vote for her or against her by pointing to her ethnicity and also her insistence that she's going to have to have votes counted that are clearly not to be counted because they don't meet the standard. So her integrity is the issue here. It appears that she doesn't have any. And the people of Georgia should be glad that she's not going to be their next governor because her behavior here demonstrates why she should never hold that office.
4: Oh, absolutely. And and, and this is the case. Like I said, right now, Brian Camp, the, uh, the uh, Republican there, uh, 55,000 votes. Mm-hmm. He's got 50.2% of the votes. So that's beyond the demanded recount. Right. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess... This is the modus operandi of the Democrats. They're they're going to fight. They've got their friends in the court system, and it is ridiculous to me when you have laws. And this is what some of the, the Democrat lawyers are going to court to say: We don't want the law applied here because it didn't work out for us. Mm-hmm. So overturn the law. That that that's chaos through the, through the court system. But I mean, that's the way the Democrats seem to operate.
2: It is. And and so in the end, you know, I, I made the statement there and I felt like, you know, that's a true statement, you know, about her integrity and all of that. But aren't we kind of watching the real degradation of people on the left as it pertains to operating with integrity and trying to put forward a face that, look, you know, we don't. We don't just recount for nothing. We don't we don't bring in ballots after the facts. We're not having we're having ballots coming in from Mars and getting delivered, you know, by by alien. We we are not those people, but that's who they are. Like yes. we can't even say that anymore, Fred. We can't no. we can't even say these are our, our good friends. Like Lindsey Graham used to say, my good friends across the aisle. We can't <laughs> even say that anymore.
4: No, I know. Well, I tell you what uh, the the whole. The Judge Kavanaugh fiasco and the way that the Democrats behaved in that. I I really do believe it was an eye opener, even for some who may be, you know, center left in their political spectrum. Mm -hmm. But to see the way those Democrat senators behaved. I mean, Cory Booker, uh, uh, you know, others there on that on that uh, on the Democrat side of the uh, Judiciary Committee. I tell you what, it was an eye-opener even for a seasoned journalist like myself to see how bad things have become. When you're willing to destroy a good man like Kavanaugh, Mm. destroy his credibility in this community, destroy his credibility before those uh, girls sports teams that he has coached Mm -hmm. for years, you're willing to do that for your political ends. I mean, it ought to be frightening to Americans, whether they're on the left or the right of the political spectrum. This is not what America is all about. But those Democrats, a few of them on that Judiciary Committee, who would like to be the next president of the United States, the way that they behaved, God forbid that they do become the next president of the United States. Uh,
2: my prayer is that the people who are in, you know, the the media types uh, on the the. 501 C3s or whoever it is, the, the the messenger people, the ones who buy the airtime and they put they put together the cool ads that we like to share, that they've already got those prepped and ready of Kamala Harris interrogating uh, you know, Judge Kavanaugh at the time, Judge Kavanaugh, the, the Cory Booker, the way he he screamed at. I mean, it was just it was so unsettling. And there's I mean, there's there's times where you're like, you're tempted. We're all tempted to say, well. I need this, and if I have to go here to get it, well, then I'm just going to go here to get it. That's a temptation we all face Mm -hmm. when you want something badly, but there is never a good end to that, and these people have unmasked themselves, and so I just encourage Christians. I know it is a very strong thing to go against your political ideology, in my opinion, especially for people who are you may be saved, but you're not, you're not on the road to sanctification. You know, you're, you're at the, the very, very entrance point where you just made it in the door. You're not, you're not glorifying God by saying the ends justify the means. And we, when people show you that they don't have any integrity, after that, that's where you pull away and you say, I can't support that. And I know a lot of people criticize the president and say, well, you know, look at the way he talks or look at his past. He's you know, been married a few times, et cetera, et cetera. But on both of these sides, it's a clear choice between right and wrong. Mm. And, and you. so it's not really about Cory Booker or Kamala Harris or Donald Trump. It's about right and wrong. Was it right for them to say that he, just this one guy, just Kavanaugh, wasn't innocent until proven guilty? That in and of itself should have been the moment where all Americans said, OK, I'm pulling out. I'm, a, you know, I may be a Democrat. I may be an independent. Whatever I am, I can't support that because that is one of the reasons why we have— the country we have is that we're innocent until proven guilty. We can't be drug off to a gulag on someone's word. That is the, it, it's what makes us America. And I just didn't see enough people pulling back from that, which was, to me was pretty sad. It was like a really sorrowful moment for us as a country.
4: Absolutely. Hey, speaking of the Kavanaugh hearings, have you heard the news about Michael Avenatti?
2: Yeah, <laughs> he's got the Trump curse. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well... <laughs> Here, here's the thing. You know, he parades these women out, making all these wild accusations against Judge Kavanaugh, and you got his friends in the Democratic Party saying the women must be believed. We, mm-hmm. they must be believed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Michael Avenatti out there in Los Angeles found himself in handcuffs last night because he was arrested, and uh, now he's made bail after his arrest on domestic violence charges, and he's declaring out there. Now, he didn't put the words out there like this. This woman may, must not be believed, believed, making the charges against me. But he says, I'll be fully exonerated. Here's yeah. the interesting thing. You remember during the Kavanaugh hearings, yeah. the mainstream media, every camera was in front of him. Hey, he even announced he's going to make a run for the presidency yeah, in yeah, 2020. Yeah. Uh, uh, but about uh, media research, they've looked into the coverage over the last 24 hours of this story barely a mention of Michael avenatti barely they, a mention
2: this this just it's such a perfect uh turnabout isn't it Fred <laughs> oh is this the perfect turnabout not even ninety days after he said this guy's guilty you m- women must be believed now he's being accused of the but really it's the same kind of bad conduct in the same arena uh, uh that he had brought false charges against Kavanaugh. And he's been referred to the DOJ for investigation, so he's got problems all over the place. He owes $4.5 million to somebody. I mean, Avenatti is a train wreck from beginning to end. But this is the perfection of that, you know, hold back your wrath. And I was even, like, at, at a point where I was so upset with what was happening with Judge Kavanaugh that when he came out that day and said, well, you know, I, I, this hasn't changed me. I still plan to adhere to the Constitution. I kind of thought to myself, how can you even say that? Mm-hmm. You have to be radicalized. You have to be over here on the right with me, with my gun and my Bible and my popcorn. You're, are you not over here? Like, how are you not here? And he said he wasn't. He said it didn't change him. He was still going to be the same jurist he would be before that. Isn't this just the comeuppance the Bible describes where he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Yeah. And we don't know if Abenadi is guilty, and I'll be the first one to say he's innocent until proven guilty. But boy, this looks horrible for him.
4: Oh, absolutely. And the cops in Los Angeles are saying, in this case, there is a person making the accusation. And apparently there are indications uh, on her body that she has been assaulted. Now, again, like you say, uh, innocent until proven guilty. However, uh, this this is a fresh case. We're not talking about something that allegedly happened months or years ago, like in the Kavanaugh case. When he was a teenager, in this case, apparently the evidence is fairly fresh. We'll see where it goes.
2: Mm. I, <laughs> just, I, just, just stay tuned. That's all I say. When when God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, he's not kidding. No. And this, this isn't really, I don't even know if this really fits the true definition of, of vengeance from the Lord, because this is based on behavior that Avenatti actually did himself. This is not it's not retribution at all. If he, if you if he did these things, then he should be prosecuted for them. But it's just funny that it's in the same arena that he accused Judge Kavanaugh falsely of the things. I mean, just horrible things. Um, so I, I, I'm my main thing is I just want people to accept the fact that Avenatti not running for the presidency. And CNN should stop having Avenatti on their their programming. Just stop trumpeting this man all over the country.
4: Wouldn't hold my breath on that one.
2: Well, I just, I have to put it out there for it. I just want to put it out there in the in the ether. Maybe it'll eke on over to somebody at CNN. And they'll be like, you know what? We're not going to book Avenatti anymore. Do you notice how quickly? other news organizations if you have anything going on they'll stop having you on like i mean they they cut people off of the knees all the time mm-hmm. cnn just keeps the same old retreads maybe it's cuz they can't get good bookings i know i i no longer go on cnn they're yeah. they're not on my yes list anymore i don't go on
4: you know the gym i go to and talk about cnn it's it's absolutely i've never seen anything like that in the 40 plus years i've been in the journalism business the gym i go to they have you know the whole bank of TVs up in front of you there and so they have Fox, but CNN is on every time that I go there and I'm not exaggerating. There is not a time I'm at the gym for about a half hour at a time when at least there's one story that is anti-Trump. Well, it, it's a constant draw I have never seen a network that it just, it is bent on doing anything. The man says it's wrong. If he doesn't say something that's wrong, I mean, they're all but Did over you the see
2: place. what they said? Uh, Zuckerberg said that if they stop covering Trump, their ratings go through the floor. Yeah, like the only thing they can do is talk about Donald Trump because if when they don't, people literally cut it off. Yeah, so they've got nothing.
4: No, well, I think I I don't always agree with the president, but I do agree with the president's assessment of CNN.
2: Oh, me too. I agree with him uh, quite a bit. Not 100%, but a ton.
4: Yeah.
2: Fred, thank you so much for coming on today. I'll talk to you again soon. Have a great weekend.
4: Always fun. Take care.
2: Thanks. That was Fred Jackson, News Director at American Family News. Be right back. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment.
1: Think about the opportunities you have to encourage someone. When you notice that someone did a good job, do you just make a mental note of it or do you actually tell them? When your spouse is going through a hard time, do you only get discouraged about how it affects you or do you take the time to pour encouragement into them? We can choose to leave a trail of positive memories in the people around us if we look beyond ourselves and take advantage of the opportunities. We all need to hear positive words daily. Be intentional about encouraging others it lifts others up and it lifts you up too.
2: New York Times best-selling author Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. Discover more at coachdungy.com. That's coachdungy.com. Hello AFR listeners. My name is Julia I received an Operation Christmas Child shoebox gift while growing up in Central Asia. During this difficult time for my country, God used a shoebox gift to reveal Himself to me. You can make a difference in the life of a child just like me by packing a shoebox of your own through Operation Christmas Child. To learn more, visit AFR.net and click on the Operation Christmas Child banner today. I try to stay high every minute of every day. I came here to Teen Challenge because I knew this was a place that was going to change my life. It's changed who I am. I am not the woman that I came in the doors at
3: at all. If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, Adult and Teen Challenge can help. There are centers across the country and you can find the one nearest you at 855-END-ADDICTION or at TeenChallengeUSA.com. This is Urban Family Talk.
2: Saving you money, I'm Linda Bell with the Fox Business Network. Do you plan to go shopping on Black Friday? Lynette Calfani-Cox of AskTheMoneyCoach.com says, it might be best to stay at home instead. One reason is your finances.
1: The downside is that it's also uh, a time at which millions of Americans really get themselves into
2: debt, which is a huge financial pitfall. While many stores offer discounts, she warns that you aren't always getting the best deals. Recognize that some Stores are going to mark up goods before they mark down the prices. That's why she says it's important to comparison shop. But she says the biggest reason you might want to stay home is that with all the hoopla surrounding Black Friday, she believes we're straying away from the true meaning of Thanksgiving. To me, that is not only excessive consumerism and, and faulty from a financial perspective, but then it's kind of sending our kids the wrong message and then from a value standpoint, taking us down the wrong path. Saving you money. I'm Linda Bell, Fox News.
1: You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. The The DOD, the Department of Defense missions, do not involve military personnel at this time directly participating in any law enforcement. Law enforcement is left in the hands of the customs and border police who have the statutory authority to carry that out. At the present, I do not anticipate military personnel coming into direct contact with migrants. Uh, I would just note my full confidence in General Shaughnessy and his NorthCom team, the troops who are deployed under Army North are very uh, highly disciplined, and uh, the only uh, personnel there actually carrying weapons since the engineers are engaged in putting in barriers, barbed wire, jersey barriers that permit the border patrol to maintain support, excuse me, maintain control over the ports of entry and nearby. Uh, The troops doing that obviously are not armed, they don't need their weapons. The engineers lay the barbed wire. The soldiers, Marines doing that, are uh, overwatched by MPs who are armed. And the normal force protection, of wherever they go, uh, the military maintains that stance. But uh, the ones actually doing the missions there are not armed.
2: Now, remember, so that's General Mattis, and he was on one of the, uh, you know, they they fly around on uh, their their private aircraft, and they speak to the media, and so that's what the background noise was that you heard. And he's talking about the role that the troops are serving down at the southern border, and it, it is a support function. So they have weapons down there with them that they can use, but they're basically installing barriers. And while they're doing that, they're being overwatched by military police. And military police are exactly what it sounds like. It's like your regular police force that you have in your city, town, municipality, whatever, your county, your your police force there, they have a specific function, and that's keeping law and order and responding to calls. And that's what military police do. And in this instance, the overwatch that's being provided by military police just means that our troops are protected while they're executing their support functions, which is hardening the southern border. But I also just described to you how that's not happening the way it's supposed to. So um, also, we had a little bit of audio there from Fox News talking about the Black Friday phenomenon. And and I want to point to, um, for those who are planning on going out on Thanksgiving Day and shopping, what retailers are doing is they're saying, well, some people don't have families, so we need to be open on Thanksgiving. And so they're telling their employees, well, we can't make you work, but if you do, you'll get time and a half plus a dollar. That's what they're offering at some of the retailers. And so people who would normally be at home because there's no choice because everything's closed are now making the decision to go out and work so they can make that extra money. And the stores are open, so people who would normally be at home are going out shopping. And so I... I am all about shopping. Y'all know I talk about the things I like to buy. Um, If You've worked hard. You've paid your bills. You've tithed. You're you're in good financial order. You have some disposable income. You want to shop. There's nothing wrong with that. That's your decision. You're never going to hear me condemning that. But where are we going as a country where we can't have any days off? We can't have any days where the stores are closed, where if someone is going to make the unwise decision to spend their Thanksgiving holiday, the actual day, out shopping, that's not possible because everything's closed except Walgreens and they're open because they got a pharmacy. I know there are 365 day a year stores, but do they all have to be 365 day a year stores? Like, I just can't understand why someone would say on Thanksgiving, and I know I'm a bit of a homebody too. It's like, it's like more than one person trapped in, in my body where I love being at home. So as much as I like to go out and shop and as much as I like to go out and spend time with friends and family or go travel or go to the movies or what have you, I also really enjoy staying in the house and not going out. And Thanksgiving is one of those days where I've already started cooking the day before just whatever needed to be done in advance. And then the actual Thanksgiving day, it's nothing but just it's just cooking, cooking and sitting around and, you know, cracking jokes and laughing and talking to um. People by phone and wishing them a happy Thanksgiving and just, you know, that's it. We're going to lose our opportunities to have that family time if we allow these retailers to control our behavior. It's as easy as saying, I don't shop on Thanksgiving. And if you're thinking, well, you're going to miss all these deals, you just heard them describe how there are no deals for you to really miss because retailers are smart enough to know how to mark stuff down but how to have the pricing so that once they've marked it down, they're still going to make a profit. And I have no problem with them making a profit. I'm, I'm not against retailers staying in business. But how much more time do we need to spend shopping? And so, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a huge Black Friday shopper. I've been a few times. But for the most part, I try to avoid it, mainly because the people who are out shopping on Black Friday, some of them, they give everybody else a bad name. They're pushy, they're rude, they're mean, and they're avarice and greed for getting the the DVD player or whatever it is. You know, I just look around. I'm like, well, we don't need a DVD player. Um, you know, we don't need another television. So, you know, the biggest deals are usually on electronics. Um, on the home decor items, the best time to buy those is actually after Christmas. So... Unless you, there's something you want to buy for a family member or friend that you're buying a gift for that you just absolutely, you know, the only way you're going to get a good deal on it is on Black Friday. I just don't go. And I know there are people who enjoy it. They go out, the, you know, get a, some girlfriends together and go do it. And I'm not condemning that. But I'm, I, for me, it's just not that much fun to be out with the crowds and standing in line for they never have enough people working. It's just a mess. I encourage you to think about what you'd rather be doing on Thanksgiving Day and Black Friday. And if you'd rather be home getting your Christmas tree up, or maybe you're the kind of person you already have your Christmas tree up because you do it so that you have it up at Thanksgiving, maybe there's something that you want to do at home, um, like put your feet up on the couch and grab a cup of hot tea or you know your favorite soda and just watch some TV and just sit with family, sit in front of the fireplace and listen to some music. Whatever. There's so much more for us to do than to shop. And I know some people really enjoy it and there's nothing wrong with it, but just think it just think it through. What what could you what what is the best use of your time? And we it's a personal decision for all of us. We just have to make our own choice, but I'm just not going to be out there fighting crowds on Thanksgiving. I'm just not going to do it. There's no way I'm going shopping on Thanksgiving. And the day after Thanksgiving, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be out there either. Now, if you catch me out there and I have on my little uh, headband, that means something happened. Something major happened that I had to go out and I'm just going to be so shamed because I've said now on the radio that I'm not going out because I'm pretty sure I'm not going out. Like I'm, I'm 100% sure I'm not going there's just nothing they, ha- they have to sell that I'm, I'm going to need. And we actually just had, so our microwave is doing weird things when we turn it on. And it's not new. I, I, I got nobody to blame. It's an older microwave and I have just been holding on to it because I don't want to spend the money to buy a new one. And now I'm going to have to. And this is right before I have to do all my cooking and I usually don't microwave a lot of stuff for Thanksgiving and that's fine. But now the control panel on our convection oven is not working And so now I've got that going on. So it's pandemonium over here, you guys. I am literally looking around like, what am I going to do? So I have to figure this out before Thanksgiving Day. This is all happening now. So yeah, I mean, seriously, if anybody should be talking about going out and trying to get a Black Friday deal on a double oven, it's me, but I probably won't. I'm gonna take care of it before then so I don't have to be out because I do not want to be out there. And just in case you're wondering the status of most Americans, even with this booming economy, all of the jobs, et cetera, et cetera, the U.S. dollar reaching a 16-month high. Consumer sentiment is a 98.4 as of November 2018. It's stronger than any other year prior to, to the year 2000. But the problem that Americans are experiencing is they're borrowing money to make this fun happen. Americans are borrowing the money. National debt soared to $21.73 trillion. U.S. Treasury Department figures show that the U.S. government deficit and the difference between spending and income rose to $779 billion in 2018. That's a 17% increase from the previous year's figure. The estimate for next year's federal budget deficit is currently projected to be $1.35 trillion. That means that Congress must borrow $1 trillion to fund government activities, plus borrow $350 billion more to pay the interest on the accumulated debt total. I mean, if you let that sink into you, That is pretty frightening. Now, total household debt has risen for the 16th straight quarter to 13.29 trillion. Mortgage balances rose by 308 billion to 9 trillion. Auto loan balances increased 9 billion to reach 1.24 trillion. Student loan debt increased by 61 billion to 1.41 trillion. Credit card debt increased from 45 billion to 829 billion. These numbers, in and of themselves, are good enough reason to stay home on Black Friday, because the temptation to overexpend is just so high because they have the signs up to tell you that what you're looking at is the deal of the century, when in reality it may be a good deal, but it's not the deal of the century. It's never the deal of the century. Otherwise, how could they make any money? Like, so we know that's not true. So I am not against spending money, borrowing money, you know, doing whatever you need to do, but we we've got to be wise and we've got to be prudent. So I also want to talk about this poll that's fresh out. Voters 5 to 1 see anti-Trump media bias as unfair and disrespectful. Now, this to me is some of the most interesting poll information. They call it a forceful plurality of voters believing that the media is unfair, biased, and disrespectful to President Trump. And wide support in this poll for the White House's suspension of CNN reporter Jim Acosta. Now, I want to make this point to you. If you're talking to friends, coworkers around the water cooler, maybe some mom when you're picking up the kids or what have you says, you know, Jim Acosta has a right to a pass. They violate his constitutional rights. This isn't about the Constitution with Jim Acosta's press pass because CNN is an organization and they are the people who have employed Jim Acosta and they hold 50 hard passes. In addition to that, CNN can request a day pass for any reporter that they would like to come in to be at the press briefing on any individual day. They're so embedded in the process, and they so, that's they're such a tight relationship with the White House press corps, there is no access that they currently do not have, except for Jim Acosta, whose press pass has been suspended, not revoked. And it should have been suspended many, many, many moons ago, but, of course, he's just been getting away with murder. So, this is... Basically, them telling us things that are meant to rile up our emotions in favor of Jim Acosta. But I think most Americans find him to be absolutely repugnant. His behavior is horrifying. And he actually makes other reporters who are just there to do a job look bad. The recent post-election poll by John McLaughlin shows that among all voters, the plurality of 48 percent thought the media was unfair and biased against President Trump. A number of them who feel that the media was fair and not biased was 34%. <laughs> so the people who don't know whether the media is unfair or biased at all was at at 9%. <laughs> 9% of people were like, I don't know. <laughs> There's Those are people who got caught during dinner and they're like, I'm not, I'm not participating. I'm just going to give you anything. I'm just going to say any old thing. Earlier this year, the McLaughlin group found that 77% can't believe everything in the media, only 14% that they believe everything that they see. And the media's credibility has been greatly harmed by this. He also added that the average American is much smarter than the media elites. By a 5 to 1 margin, all voters as well as independents say the media are unfair and biased against Trump. The American people have figured out all too often what is supposed to be news is just simply liberal opinion masquerading as so-called journalism. And McLaughlin also polled voters on the media's criticism of Trump's visit to the synagogue in Pittsburgh. 62% said the trip was appropriate. 44% said the media's criticism was disrespectful. And 30% said it was respectful. And that's your hardcore activist base right there, that 30%. So clearly what we're seeing is Americans kind of, you, you get to a place where you've heard enough and you know what you're hearing is garbage. And they're now starting to it's to me, it's becoming internalized where the profession of journalism is losing respect. And we need journalists. We need intrepid reporters and people asking hard questions. We need people to write those op eds and those pieces where they expound upon these stories and help us think about things in a different way turning things over in a different light, writing books and and, uh, deep dive research on on subject matter. Journalism is an important profession that we need in this country. It's a part of how we maintain our representative republic. And I just wish that the other poll that was just out this week showing 14 to one, 14 liberals for every one conservative in newsrooms, um, I wish that number wasn't so lopsided because we don't think about things differently. We don't consider that we could be wrong when we're in an echo chamber that only has people like ourselves in it. And you might say, well, Stacey, you're in an echo chamber. No, no, I'm not. I have plenty of pushback, plenty of people writing me eight paragraph missives about everything wrong I say on the show in their opinion. And I read those and I consider, I do the research, I look up what they're talking about to make sure that I've gotten it right. Not to mention the check from the Holy Spirit where if I'm in the wrong, I'm definitely aware. So God bless you. Citizens, enjoy your evening from the heartland. Back with you tomorrow.